Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for another episode. Welcome back. And for those first-time listeners, glad to have you along. I am joined today by a brand new guest, Rachel Mandel. Thank you, Rachel, for hanging out with me um, today and sharing with our listeners a little bit of your experience as a photographer. Hi, Nathan. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I was so excited to be asked to be on here. Well, it's a privilege to have you. And Rachel and I have actually been talking for a few minutes before I hit the record button. And uh, I have to say, you've got a great, uh, shall we call it podcast voice. In the old days, it was the radio voice, but you just like very soothing, extremely kind voice. And this is going to be great for all of us and this listening experience. Um, And it actually really plays well into the the topic that we're going to be digging in today, which is a really unique one, kind of an interesting one. And I'm frankly, I'm curious. I, I want to know where this conversation is going to go, but it's how to attract kind, happy clients. And we, we naturally want kind, happy clients, but it's funny to think about actually making a concerted effort to bring those clients in because we've all probably had some negative experience uh, with clients at some point. So we're going we're gonna to dig into that topic in just a little bit. But Rachel, I normally start these conversations with a question about brand position. I'm curious about your photography business and its brand position. For those of you that are new to this conversation, when we say brand position, what we're talking about is the unique value proposition your photography business offers to your market. Rachel, what is that for you? Well, thanks so much for asking. Basically, I love to bring out people's natural joy. So my brand position is that I help you to see your natural glow as fine art. So Mandalette Photography is a fine art photography studio now as of this year. And we incorporate our own cheerful attitude to bring out the best in our clients along with the posing system that we use to help people see their natural beauty externally and also internally. Wow. Okay. Well, first of all, Kudos to you for summing that up so beautifully. You mentioned that you, to me, before we started recording, you've got a master's in education. It seemed as though communication is a, is a strength of yours already. But um, when we talk about the idea of a fine art studio, what made that a, what made your studio a fine art studio this year? What was the switch or the change? Thank you. So I started out as a fine art photographer because the people who I really admired were fine art photographers such as Kristen Lavoie. She's basically my idol. I've been mentored by her too. Very cool. <laughs> and um, I just, I don't want to put myself in a box. Like I see light and airy, dark and moody photographers and I want photos to look beautiful no matter the location. If it's in an old historic building that's got really dark woods around um, or if it's in just a bright outdoor location, I want all of the photos to look gorgeous and I don't want to put myself um, in a limited situation. So that's why I classified myself and my style as fine art. 
And does that change the way that you market your brand? I mean, what, what, trying to communicate this idea, first of all, the, the phrase natural glow is fine art is what I jotted down here in my little notebook. How do you effectively communicate that to a potential client in order to, to create some distinction in their mind? No, thank you for asking. I always go about the route saying that I'm not light and airy. I'm not dark and moody. I want your photos to look great and highlight the location that you chose for your wedding day. It's a very important thing for me to not do the whole photography aspect of things for myself and my own portfolio, but to bring it out for my clients. And if they want their photos done in a location that doesn't have a bright backdrop, like light, beautiful walls and white ceilings, then I have to do my best to make that still look um, great with them being in love and hmm. glowing in their own way, make, making the skin tones look beautiful and mastering the flash for indoor photography to make it look as if this couple is just glowing. And that's feedback. <laughs> I don't want to be like conceited, but that's feedback that I just hear often is that my photos have a glow to them. So that's how I incorporated it into my brand message. And how do you, when we're talking about the, uh, the use of flash indoors, I mean, this is something that's mentioned very little um, in, photog- in our photography industry, it, it seems like. I mean, it's, not, it's at least not something that a photographer would tend to highlight. You actually highlight this on your about page. And for everybody listening in, if you go to mandelettephoto.com, it's spelled M-A-N-D-E-L-E-T-T-E photo.com. We'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, but you actually say, a bit about me, I specialize in natural light and indoor flash photography. Normally, the conversation goes, I special in natural light photography and and then goes on from there but you actually put on your about page indoor flash photography is there a reason that that is an emphasis or that you emphasize that particular skill set most definitely i live in chicago so we've got all sorts of crazy weather all the time (laughs) so i have to be prepared for any situation and have it have the photos be outside in a beautiful garden or inside in a beautiful building or maybe a not so beautiful building. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to master the art of using continuous light with on-camera flash and off-camera flash photography mm-hmm. just to make all of those locations look gorgeous with my couple being the highlighted focal, focal point. And also I learned flash very early on working for studios in Chicago. Okay. And um, someone once told me that it matters what the photos look like, but what matters most is how the people feel and remember that day with like you encouraging them to like be their best. So I just decided I'm going to go all out on both fronts. I'm going to bring my most cheerful, positive attitude, and I'm going to just master the art of flash to make sure that these photos look awesome. <laughs> That's cool. Well, again, kudos to you for actually taking the initiative and making that a priority. And it's something that really could, we could probably all take uh, reference from or use as an example. And I think, you know, as much as it's fun to specialize in a particular style of photography or a particular technique, there's something to be said for kind of opening our mind, stepping out that outside that so-called box that you described earlier and really widening our skill set. And that should include our an ability to be able to use light, in this case, on-camera flash or maybe off-camera lights uh, for the sake of creating the best possible picture. 
And, and I want to ask you one more question here before I keep going. Um, it, you mentioned yeah. earlier the significance of being able to create an image really in any scenario, even if it's not the, the ideal one that you would normally see in a photographer's Instagram feed. If your client wants that, it's, it's on you to be able to create a beautiful image in that particular scenario. But is there a balance between that approach and also understanding that, you know what, the client doesn't even realize what this is going to look like on the other side. I could actually create an even more beautiful image for them if they allow me to shift them this direction a little bit because the light's going to be a little bit better. The background's not as distracting, something to that effect. Do you ever give them that feedback or do you just let the client lead the way? No, of course. I mean, there are certain areas that are important to some clients that I have to be photographed, such as one of my clients was at Benedictine University. So I had to capture them on a beautiful campus. It was pouring rain. So I had to figure that out with a huge bridal party. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, I just needed to get that shot out of the way so they can have it for their album or whatever they were to use that photo for. And then I'd move on and get the photos that I felt would just look most aesthetically pleasing. Um, so I, I do both. I make sure to capture what my clients want, show them the back of my camera, like, oh my gosh, you guys look great. And then move on to where I feel would have the most soft, even light in the foreground and the backgrounds and also a non-distracting backgrounds to bring out their natural glow and just keep that energy going to make sure that they're happy both ways. Yeah. It sounds like a, you've got a pretty good balance. You know, it's, it's funny that at times a, a client or a potential client can feel like they know what's best. And, and the reality is their perspective is a little bit limited because they've seen the finished product. Um, they don't realize, Hey, in this particular scenario, maybe the light's not going to be ideal or the background. This is actually how it's going to look in a finished image. And so, making the proactive effort to, to give them a little bit of helpful feedback for their sake of, you know, a value add to their experience. I think taking that approach is, is really great. And the client's ultimately going to have a better experience for it. So sounds like you've got a, a wonderfully balanced approach there, but your experience as a photographer, first of all, how many years have you been in business personally? So I started Mandalette Photography in July of 2017, which is crazy because <laughs> it's grown like so much so, but so quickly too <laughs> i know so quickly but i've been photographing weddings since 2011 second shooting working for studios and making sure i was ready to make the leap to go into business on my own but you actually come into this with an interesting history and backstory family story ultimately and for anybody who's curious you can go to mandalettephoto.com to the about page again scroll down a little bit and there's this little article that says the heart behind Mandalette photography and it, and just the, the brief version I'll share here. And then Rachel, I'd love you to kind of expound on it, but your great grandfather founded a company. Um, he and his son, your, your grandfather patented and produced the Mandalette camera, which is what, from what I understand, one of the first kind of portable cameras that enables a photographer to be able to develop an image on the scene as well. Yeah, so it was the first self-developing camera. It was a direct positive camera. They made postcards from the photos, and also they had a button maker camera, all sorts of different cameras, that, so it can make the individual businessman into a business owner and make um, people able to sell their street photography on the spot. Which is, yeah, and there's actually this this 
screen cap of a an ad from back then and it says boys here is 10 to 25 dollars a week for you you can earn this in your spare time and during vacation selling one minute photos um it's this picture of a guy holding onto the camera on a tripod really fascinating little backstory did you did you learn anything from or take anything away from that camera company that your grandfather and great-grandfather owned and ran that it have in any in any way any effect on your photography business as you were getting started definitely so my great-grandfather and my grandfather inspired me and they passed the love of film down to my dad who actually gave me his pentax k1000 recently that then oh no way starting to use <laughs> yeah that's cool but they were i come from a long line of entrepreneurs so it's been pretty great my great-grandfather was actually an inventor, so he invented the clock radio and one of the first phonographs and wow. sold, sold a lot of his patents, and he was very, very ambitious. <laughs> he also had a limo company, which we didn't know about until recently, but my mom has a limo company. My dad owns pharmacies. It's just been a long line, and I've learned most of what I have in business from my parents because I've worked for both of their businesses for long periods of time when I was like in high school and junior high, a little bit in college. And that's helped me to build my own business and know that you can really make something from nothing and just have it flourish. Oh, that's amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, entrepreneurship runs in your family, literally. Uh, what a cool backstory. What would you say, though, is from your experience as a business owner, maybe from what you've learned from your family as well, one of the most important pieces of advice that you would want to share with a fellow entrepreneur, fellow photographer, again, whether you learned it from your family or you personally had this experience yourself? So my dad owns compounding pharmacies, and um, I know this is a little bit random, but Compounding pharmacies are a hard one to own because you get audited all the time yeah. by the FDA and the IRS. So keep everything legal, like keep detailed spreadsheets of all of your income versus yeah. expenses and work with the CPA because hmm. that has saved me so many times on what I could write off and how much I can save on my taxes. Yep. It's just so important to keep organized, detailed records. Yes. That's my best advice. And that is great advice. I've actually been audited a couple of times and it would have been a, I mean, stressful, more stressful than it already was just the idea of it, but trying to go back and pull records for the accountant and ultimately for the auditor, if, if I hadn't kind of, I mean, I totally nerd out when it comes to organization, but I've got receipts in, in Evernote that go back to 2004, I think potentially wow. before that. So I had I had a lot of organization going for me when it came time for, for these audits. And uh, of course, the last thing we want is to have to deal with that or any other negative financial experience. But if you're organized, it certainly can make it a lot easier. And, and the cool thing is in 2019 and, and 2020, as that begins, we have wonderful tools that cost relatively little that enable us to be organized in a really simple fashion. You know, we have in fact, I was just doing an expense report today, and this little app called Expensify makes it really easy to do just that. I, I use QuickBooks Self-Employed, and I can I can track expenses or submit expenses uh, to my accountant at the, the end of the year if I want to use that route. And, and you know, for anybody that's running a sole proprietorship, you're a single photographer, maybe you have a, a small team, tracking expenses and income 
in a piece of software like QuickBooks Online, it's so easy to do now. And not only does it allow you to be proactive and, and keeping an eye on your numbers and making intelligent decisions for the sake of your business, but when it comes to doing something like taxes, or if you have to deal with an audit, being able to just pull that information and hand it over is brilliant. And it only takes you know seconds here and there or a couple of minutes a day to stay up on it. You just got to actually make the effort, right? Yes, definitely. Every time I make a purchase that has to do with photography, I put it in my spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> you got, you've got to. I mean, there's so many things that could happen. It's best to be prepared. Now, do you, you mentioned spreadsheet. Have you decided to avoid the software route and just stick with kind of the basic spreadsheet? And is there a reason for that? Um, so I haven't found a software that I love. I'll have to look into Expensify because it sounds really interesting. I do use HoneyBook, which now has an expense tracker, which I've looked into. Spreadsheets have just never failed me. I like to look back every year and see what my spending was each year prior with how I've grown versus my income. Yes. And yeah, that's just super helpful to see, um, to keep me motivated. And I just really love spreadsheets, which is kind of weird, but that's <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> no, it's totally okay. Spreadsheets, I'm still I, I'm still amazed at how powerful they actually are for somebody that knows how to use them. I've never been one that, that knew how to use them well, and it was never something that I really learned. And so the idea of using a spreadsheet, is it sounds stressful to me. I love the idea of being able to, and again, this is a cool thing about living in this time period where we have access to pieces of software that are very specifically designed for certain purposes. And I, I mean, I started using QuickBooks way back when it was, you know, still on disk and you plugged it in your, into your computer. And, and then if you were going to yeah. send the information to your accountant, then you'd have to burn it to a disk and then take it to their office. And of course now it's just online and it's so much more user-friendly. And when it comes to doing something like you're talking about tracking expenses, being able to look at a profit and loss statement at the end of the year, see where that money's going, see where it's coming from and make intelligent decisions about your business. For anybody listening in, if you don't use QuickBooks, I can't recommend it enough uh, because it enables you to do that, but without a whole lot of prior knowledge when it comes to accounting. And then of course you can work with an accountant to, to help you further understand it and be able to manage the numbers well. But uh, th this is really good advice. And, and, and for those of you listening in, it may seem basic, but if you're not doing just the basics right now, like tracking expenses, taking pictures of receipts, uploading it in the software, and keeping an eye on those numbers on an ongoing basis, whether if it's not daily, at least a weekly basis, uh, you're, it's come tax time or come time for an audit if that ever happens, you're going to be stuck in a pretty difficult place. It'll be a lot more stressful to have to go through that experience without all that information organized. So cannot recommend it enough. We'll even link it in the show notes for anybody who's curious uh, so you can get started. I think it, it runs something like, um, what is it? $10 a month uh, for QuickBooks self-employed, maybe a little bit more than that, but well worth the expense for sure. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. Let's talk about time a little bit as a business owner. I mean, running a business in and of itself can be quite time consuming uh, in many cases as much as we want it to be. But it, I personally don't want business to be everything in my life. I, I like to spend time with people and, and ride motorcycles and travel and, and the list kind of goes on. For you as a business owner, Rachel, do you have you? Is there something that you've done that has enabled you to create space for more than just work, a particular workflow technique or or trick or otherwise? Yes, definitely. I have a secret system. Oh, top it secret! Is, <laughs> it has saved me hours and hours. But I edit my photos immediately after I take them. 
Um, I upload them all into Lightroom. Instead of culling, I flag each image and create a smart collection with each flagged image and edit from there. It has saved me so much time. I actually um, had a photo session at 9 a.m. today, and I delivered the photos at 11.30. So really? I know it's kind of wild, but I like to deliver my photos within a few days after taking them. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing about portrait sessions, too, is that especially if you're captured, if it's captured in a setting where the lighting is relatively consistent, I mean, you make an interesting point. It can be done very quickly, especially if you've got a good system in place. Do you take the same approach, though, with weddings? How does that look? Yeah, so I try to get, I, I took a lot of Amy and Jordan courses. You know, Amy, Amy and Jordan Demos, they are thebomb.com. I recommend <laughs> <laughs> their shooting and editing 2.0 course um, and their posing course because once you take those, everything in camera looks just great. <laughs> hmm. So I took their classes and I try to get everything right in camera. So there's not a lot of editing to be done besides maybe adding a preset and like adjusting for exposure if my camera settings are a little bit off because sure. wedding days move super fast. But I import everything with the same preset and edit from there. Everything looks really good. And the feedback that I've gotten from planners that I've delivered the photos to the day after the wedding have just been blown away. <laughs> so if you haven't taken Amy and Jordan's shooting and editing course, I do recommend it. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, well, well, we'll put that in the show notes for anybody who is curious. I, I know that the topic of editing is an interesting one. It can be a very subjective process, but you're, you're saying that what's made a really big difference for you is the quick turnaround time of editing right away. When you say editing right away, I mean, is it is it being, I guess, fresh off that shoot, whether it's the wedding or the portrait session that enables you to be able to move more quickly? Or what's the biggest benefit there for you? I think the biggest benefit, because what holds me back in business the most is needing to know that my clients are happy with their photos. Okay. I just like to have it out of the way, send it off into the universe and pray that my clients love their photos. Because <laughs> um, honestly, like the reason I went into business is because I like making people happy and yeah. I like creating repeatable processes that mm. make that happen. Yes. So just having that out of the way puts my mind at ease and allows me to enjoy time with my cats, my boyfriend, and my loved ones. That's really cool. Well, yeah, and you mentioned the significance of processes, and that really is so important. So, you know, for those of you listening in, whether you're doing your own editing or you're outsourcing it to a company like Photographer's Edit, having a process, a system in place that, as Rachel says, is repeatable makes all the difference in the world when it comes to running an efficient business. And that's so, so important. We could spend multiple podcast episodes on that very topic, Rachel, but I'm, I'm glad that you bring that up because it's such an important principle. Talk to me about a, an important self-help book, business book that has made a really big difference in your life. So I am constantly reading business books and listening to podcasts, okay. taking online classes. I'm an education junkie. Um, but I think that the most important thing that I've learned was probably getting my own education or, my, or at least my master's in education, because it helps me to apply everything that I'm hearing on podcasts and learning and sales trainings and reading in these books to my own life. And I would say that the, the thing that's helped me the most hasn't been a specific book or a specific piece of literature or podcast. It's just been writing down my own notes and like almost transliterating these different tidbits of info and applying them to my own business Wow! and then putting those into action. 
So, and, and there's this kind of natural question um, when I hear that somebody likes consuming a lot of information of, you know, do you actually, I mean, I guess the simple question is, do you actually do something with it? And it sounds like you do, because it's one thing, you know, there, and, and I've been guilty of this, certainly. It's one thing to just take information in for the sake of taking information in. It feels good. It's fun to hear something new. It can be entertaining. But at the end of the day, we're, if we're spending all this time consuming information, then we're not actually doing something with it. I, there's part of me that says, well, what's the point? But you seem to have a really good system in place that enables you to actually walk away from consuming that content and do something with it. Are you, I mean, anytime you're listening to a podcast or reading a book, you have a notebook right there and you're taking notes is, or what does it look like? Yeah. So I, my favorite way to consume information is online classes. So as I'm watching the videos or learning from the online class, I'll have a notebook with me. Also, when I'm even just being like a lifelong student sitting in a classroom learning about sales, like when I was in my sales career, (laughs) um, I would be writing down everything that was meant to be for the sales employees, but it would be applied to my business in my, in my notes. Um, so I'd say that I don't always have a notebook with me, but if there is something important, especially if I'm like in the car or something, I'll pull over and make a little note in my phone. And do you do you have a particular style of note taking? I mean, are you just jotting things down in outline form, kind of old school, or do you mind map? What does it look like? Yeah, I just take a little outline, little tick marks in a list on my phone and make sure to look over it when I get home and put it into action. That's great. That's impressive. Okay, so you consume a variety. What What is a standout book um, that you've read recently? There was a book on pricing psychology that I really liked. I thought it was really interesting because I think that having a specific pricing model makes all the difference in hmm. closing sales and generating leads. Um, so I don't remember the exact name of the book. I can send it to you in an email. Oh yeah, Uh, please do. And we'll put that in the show notes for everybody because, um, they may be a bit curious. Of course. Yes. It is so beneficial to have a good pricing structure. And that book is very, very well versed. Yeah. You have on your website, uh, a section just called investment and it kind of gives a summation of the idea. And then it looks like at least starting prices. Have you always had at least a starting price on your website to kind of filter out clients that aren't relevant to your brand? Yes, definitely. I've always had a starting price on there, especially because I like to be fair to everyone and give everyone the same rates. I don't want to give a discount to someone if I'm not giving it to someone else. Okay. So I actually have like certain things built into my pricing brochure that will allow you to either create an outline of your pricing model a la carte or pick a package. I think that's super helpful. But um, yes, I've always had starting prices on my website just so no one has a big sticker shack when they get my brochure. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of photography, talk to me about your camera bag. Is it is there something that you tend to carry with you that has made a difference in your ability as a photographer that maybe isn't necessarily a lens or a camera body? Like, does something come to mind there? You know, every time you bring this question up, I think of the same thing. Like, what would I say during this part <laughs> of the podcast? <laughs> but um, I was second shooting for someone, the first person I ever second shoot, second shot weddings for. And he had this little LED pen in his bag And it had a strip of little lights, just white lights, and you can shine them on diamonds 
if there's no adequate light in the room. Let's say you're in the dark room, your photographing rings at the end of the night because whatever happened, wedding days moved past. And that has saved me a few times, just being able to get the sparkle on the diamonds and focusing on the prongs. Really? Kind of a weird one, but super helpful. (laughs) No, that is interesting. Is it bright enough that you could use it as an off-camera light if you needed to? I don't think so. It's rather small. Okay. What I use for my off-camera lights are the light in motion continuous slice. I got them from a family friend. Okay. So with this LED LED pen, is there a particular brand that, that you've purchased that you recommend? I mean, you can just find them on Amazon. There's okay. probably $10, $15. Cool. We'll find one and link to it then for everybody listening in. And by the way, I've, I've mentioned the show notes, I think, a couple of times, two or three times now. Uh, if you listen to the podcast and you don't take advantage of the show notes, make sure you, you at least take a glance at them occasionally because Haley puts together just a, a wealth of organized information from these conversations, the links to the resources, uh, talking points, and so forth. If you go to bocapodcast.com, you can see the show notes there. Or if you use a podcast player, look in the show notes there as well and uh, take advantage for sure. And we'll we'll find an LED pen even and a link to that uh, on Amazon for everybody who's listening in. But let's jump to kind of our main topic for the day. And this is the idea of how to attract kind and happy clients, which, again, is very intriguing to me. I've, I've never, I don't know that I've ever heard a photographer specifically talk about how that is the type of client that they are, they've actually geared their marketing strategy toward bringing in. You know, we talk about high-end clients, for example. That's that's almost like the default conversation in many cases. How do we make more money from this client that we're bringing to us? But if we're making a lot of money and we're not enjoying the process, largely because we're working with difficult clients, that's no fun. I, I have to ask, of course, without naming names, what's one of the weirdest experiences that you've had with an unhappy client? So luckily, I have only had one client that was kind of livid with me. <laughs> um, it was an interesting experience. So this was early, early on. I think it was 2017. And I was photographing an engagement shoot. And what happened was the couple was super busy. They traveled a lot for work. And they had to reschedule their sunset session for 11 a.m. on a harsh summer day. And this was before I had taken any classes in shooting in harsh light. And I had a really difficult time finding out the best way to light this couple in an open field with very little shade. And this couple got back to me after they received their photos. And I was so proud of myself. I had worked so hard. (laughs) I had just done all of this work to make the photos look beautiful. And the woman told me, that looking at my photos made her sad. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, she said that she was too squinty in them mm. um, and she wanted dark and moody instead of light and airy. So that was just a big miscommunication with, I think, the whole thing. So what we did to kind of supplement that yeah. was I hired a fine art photographer and she actually still works with me today. She's great. She's one of my associates. She has a BA in fine art photography And um, we shot her wedding together and I took more classes before the wedding day and we just blew her away. This lady was so happy. (laughs) So we're really proud of that. Um, I never did ask her for a review, (laughs) but I'm just glad that at the end of the day, the the most important moments, the ones that can't be recreated were captured the way that she felt was best. Well, and good on you too for taking a situation that had kind of turned bad and, and making it a positive experience for the client. And that's a great example for all of us. Thank you. So let's let's talk, though, about 
how we should move in the direction of, and again, the, the key here is intentionality. Ideally, we hire or we book clients that are kind, they're happy, they have an enjoyable experience, they naturally want to talk about us. But there, there's, it, it seems as though the effort to bring that type of client on specifically might take a particular strategy. Was there a turning point in your business where you realized you need to kind of shift what you were doing in order to bring this type of client on more consistently? Yes, I think it was after that wedding and I had way under charge for that wedding as well, where I just decided this is the time I really need to invest in my brand, learn about marketing and find a way to bring in clients that are more in, in tune with my goals. So I started to make Facebook ads that were targeted to people who promote social justice and have gratitude as one of their interests. Just silly little things like that that aligned with my goals where I knew that I would be getting along with my clients a lot better. So was was the, I guess, what was the, the motivational factor though? I mean, it, it, you only ended up having one negative experience, fortunately, but was there an experience, a specific experience that you had that just made you say, oh my goodness, I need to make a change? Or was it just a realization one day? How did that come about? I think um, I'm always trying to move the needle. <laughs> and um, I like to bring in clients that are in alignment with my goals. And I'm also, like I said, an education junkie. So it's just like a continuous thing. Okay, I'm still changing in my business, still trying to bring in, you know, the best clients that I can who will get along with me that are I'm right for them and they're right for me. So I think that that was a big, that moment um, working with that client really tore me apart for a hmm. while. It took me a while to get over it. And um, it pushed me a little bit further, but and I'm also the kind of person that's always moving. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, again, kudos to you for that. I think it's easy to get comfortable enough. I mean, we have business coming in like, oh, this is good enough, but you're looking for ways to continue to improve as an individual or as a business owner, and it's translating to your business. And and so let's let's kind of help this translate to our listeners too. I'd love for you to share specific practical changes. You alluded to the Facebook ads already, uh, but are there other specific practical changes that you made in your brand messaging more specifically to do a better job attracting these happier, kinder clients that you're looking for? Definitely. So there's a class that I took. It's by Pia Silva. I don't know if you're familiar with her work, but she's a brand kind of authority. Okay. And she has a class. It's got a silly name. It's called Badass Your Brands. <laughs> and um, it's called the brand, Badass Your Brand Bootcamp that I took. And I was able to laser focus my message. I wasn't really sure where to go with it at first, hmm. but I ended up saying that I wanted to work with clients from all different backgrounds all different abilities, genders, sizes, just be really as inclusive as possible on my website and just have that attract some loving, loving people. And it's worked. I've gotten a lot more leads since I've made that change. I think that people know who I am as soon as they see that. And I I know you want more specifics as well. I've taken sales trainings just in early on in my career um, to close the leads that I'm getting and to make sure that I'm being both upbeat and forward, you know, ending every email with a question, things of that nature. And also, like I said, the Facebook ads, targeting them to people 
who have good, wholesome values, things that, you know, align with my perspective and the way that I like to live my life as well. Huh. Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm taking notes here very quickly, but the first thing you talked about was changing the messaging. Can you give some specific examples of what maybe the messaging was before in comparison to what you've changed it to? And I guess it's a secondary question to that. Is this messaging on your website or is it specifically in ads that you're running? Whereabouts are you putting that? Certainly. So the ads that I'm running to answer your second question backwards, <laughs> um, they're traffic ads. So okay. they like the, 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 the text, the, the copy on my ad basically says, I thrive on making the most important moments of your life time, timeless bright and stress-free and it has just one of my hero images an image that I want almost every wedding to at least have one image that looks like that <laughs> and um, once I get to my website it's on the front um, when it says meet Rachel or about Rachel it has that little blurb about me wanting to serve all kinds of clients and aim to bring out your natural glow as fine art. I guess what I'm curious about though too is what did the messaging sound like before? Because I'm, I'm I'm on the homepage of your website currently and it says meet Rachel underneath that your natural light magician magician based in Chicago, Illinois and available worldwide. And then I'm here to help lovers look and feel their best in front of the camera so they can have a stress-free experience and gorgeous images for generations to come. How, so yes, I guess another two-part question. One, what did it sound like before uh, in comparison or contrast to what it is now? And then how does this current message, do you think draw in a happier client in contrast to what you may have drawn in before? So what it sounded like before, the messaging was more about me than it was about my client. Ah, and that was my big mistake. Interesting. I was always talking about how, you know, I love photography and this is why I do what I do, but it wasn't, here's what I can do for you. And here's how you fit into this brand message. Hmm. I think that's a big mistake that a lot of people make yes. in the beginning. So now that I have more messaging that is targeted to draw in an ideal client or a kind client and have them see themselves as a part of the brand message. I feel that helps retain people more when they're on my site. I also get a lot of word of mouth and vendor referrals, which helps because they happen to know about my personal life and have organized charity events and do a lot of shoots, you know, for charity events as well. So I think that it really benefits the client to see themselves as part of the greater picture. It's so important. We've talked about this uh, on recent episodes of the podcast in the book "Building a Story Brand" by Donald Miller. Have you read Have you read that book before? I've started it. I haven't finished it yet. Okay. Well, he talks about the significance of making the client the hero in the marketing messaging versus talking about ourselves. It's very easy to highlight the benefit of using our brand in the context of, you know, this is the service that I offer. This is the thing that I do. And for the longest time in the photography industry, we, we put so much emphasis on selling ourselves as individuals. And I understand the significance of it and it still carries certain significance. But at the end of the day, if you know, the client gets to our website and all they're reading about is the fact that we like drinking lattes and watching Netflix, it, I don't know how that actually benefits the client at, at the end of the day. They, may eventually want to connect with us on a personal, more personal level and be able to relate to us in some way because maybe they like watching Netflix or drinking a latte. 
But if we're not first highlighting how we're going to actually add value to their life, then as you highlighted, Rachel, we're missing out on an opportunity to potentially convert and or retain a client. And um, so I'm glad that you bring this up. It's so important to focus on how we add value to the client's life. And more specifically, and going back to the brand position conversation, how we do that uniquely in comparison or contrast to photographers around us. Because if we're just kind of copying and pasting what everybody else is saying, then naturally we're not going to stand out as easily. So I think it's really important to note these two things. But you talked about changing the messaging and, and it really, I'm gonna kind of jump over the sales training. We'll come back to that in a second. But you were talking about targeting potential clients that have similar values. And I think this follows the significance of changing messaging. How, how do you go about doing this very thing on Facebook specifically? Are you, how, how are you going about searching for those particular clients or using particular keywords? What does the process look like? Yes, definitely. So when generating a traffic ad, you can target your clients based on interests. So you can take those clients from wedding wire, the knot, people who like those sort of things, draw them onto your platform, and then they can decide if you're for them. And you won't be flooded with the stream of other photographers that are on the same platform because only one ad is being shown at a time, which I love about Facebook. Um, so what I do is I target my clients based on the interests that I mentioned, um, in addition to things like Style Me Pretty, Martha Stewart Weddings, Wedding Wire The Knot. And then you can further narrow your audience hmm. to only target engaged couples which is super helpful because then it doesn't get shown to anyone who isn't engaged and you're not wasting advertising dollars. Right. But that's really interesting to think about targeting potential clients based on values. And of course that naturally ties into drawing somebody in who is kind and happy. They, they reflect the values that you hold. And so likely their behavior will kind of mirror yours. And, and now you've got this really great match as a client and photographer I just would never have thought about specifically going about it for the sake of matching values or, or finding clients whose values aligned with mine. I think it's a really interesting idea. But then ultimately, we have to convert that potential client. You said you took some sales training. Is, is there any particular training that you recommend? Or maybe just from your experience and the training that you've taken, is there a particular book uh, that might summarize some of those key principles that you think have made a big difference in your business? So the company that I worked for, they're called Acquirant. They're based in Evanston, Illinois. They are an amazing sales training company. And I took the job there so that I could improve my photography business and close more leads. Um, I was kind of struggling in the beginning. <laughs> and they have five pillars that make a successful salesperson. Okay. And one of them that really stuck with me is called Shut Up and Listen. Mm. <laughs> so... You have to ask really good questions, thoughtful questions that will both help you get to know your client and help get your client to move further along in the sales process. And then just listening to their responses, not commenting at all, taking it all in and thoughtfully responding. And it also helps to take notes while doing this. So in the beginning, I was doing a lot of um, like discovery calls with my clients to see if they were a good fit. And that was awesome. I really closed a lot of leads that way. I took further sales trainings to see how I can close more leads via email, like solely email. Okay. And that's worked really great too. So I don't think there's any right or wrong way to go about it. I would just say that asking good questions to help move your client further along in the process 
while being super excited about what they have to say and really genuinely listening and giving thoughtful feedback. This is a huge, I mean, when it comes not just to converting clients, but also just having good relationships in life, the idea of shutting up and listen, I mean, it's a good reminder for me. Uh, I have a tendency of sometimes just getting a little bit carried away and, and rambling for a bit. And I could stand to still do a little bit more listening and, you know, particularly for the case uh, or for, for the purpose, I should say, of empathy and understanding, we're going to be less likely to be able to convert a potential client if we don't understand what it is that they're interested in and ultimately what they actually want out of the experience or the transaction that they might have with you. And if we're willing to ask, as you said, ask the right questions, listen, and ultimately understand, we can more effectively provide what it is that they're looking for. Can you share an example or two of what you term a good question that uh, our, our photographers that are listening in that they might be able to ask their clients? Certainly. So I would say always ending an email or a part of a phone conversation with a low commitment question that's something I learned from a sales guru who's in the wedding industry, Alan Berg, did a podcast with him. <laughs> but he always says that you should end with something such as, how many hours will you need on the wedding day? Or something that's really low commitment. And then don't, don't put anything after that in an email or on the call. Just let them answer. Doing that, even, even like... <laughs> If omitting have a great day or talk to you soon at the end of an email will just prompt them to respond because that's the last thing that they see or the last thing that they hear. In terms of actually going ahead and closing the sale, I would say checking in every couple days. I know it sounds like a lot and it sounds like it's annoying, but people do appreciate it. Checking in and saying, is there anything I can do to help with lighting planning? Or have you chosen a photographer yet? Or do you need more time to decide? Simple things like that just really help to move the process along and let the couple know what the next step is. Do you think too that just making a little bit of extra effort to stay front of mind, I mean, it makes a difference, it, it seems, because as, as much as photographers, many photographers want business, I don't know that every photographer is out there being consistent in the effort to well, ultimately reach out and to stay in communication, to stay on top of that conversation, would you say? Yeah, definitely. I think most photographers that I talk to don't want to be a pushy salesperson. Hmm. I don't think that you're being pushy if you're being kind and considerate and yeah. just genuinely seeing how the couple's doing. <laughs> but that's the key, right? And I think really this is kind of the biggest, maybe the biggest takeaway from this conversation today. If we're talking about attracting kind and happy clients being that very same person to the potential client, whether that's through the website or through our ads and our messaging or in person, if you have the opportunity to meet with them, hopefully that is going to have a big role in drawing in that very same type of client. If we live our values consistently and we put that out there in all of our brand messaging, we're naturally going to attract more of those very same clients. And like you said, when it comes to this idea of sales, and it's a good reminder for me, certainly, because I, I don't tend to be the natural salesperson either. If our focus is on being kind, A, and adding value, just like we were talking about earlier on, for the sake of the homepage of our websites, there's, there's really little that can go wrong at that point, other than, of course, that they end up saying no or they're going with a different photographer. But we're not going to come across as pushy if we're, our focus is on being kind and adding value. Those two things. It seems as if we keep it simple and focused on those ideas, 
the, there's going to be a positive experience for everybody involved. Yes, definitely. And I've lost a lot of sales, but it typically comes down to budget or perhaps someone, I had someone get married at the same venue that they chose and I, I can't compete with that. <laughs> so I would say definitely just being kind, adding value, exactly what you said. It leaves a good taste in everyone's mouth and you might even get referrals from those people that you didn't close. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point. Well, this has been a series of wonderful reminders, Rachel, and, and I really appreciate you making time to share with us at the Boca Podcast. Will you just remind everybody where they can can go to your website and then ultimately follow you online? Well, yes. Thank you so much again. My Instagram is at M-A-N-D-E-L-E-T-T-E, Mandalette. Um, and my website is www.mandalettephoto.com. Perfect. And we'll put these in the show notes uh, for everybody listening in. Again, you just go to your podcast app and, and click on the show notes there. You can see the links and the resources that we've mentioned today, the talking points from the conversation. Take advantage of those. And of course, we'll definitely link to Rachel's website on Instagram there as well. But thanks once again, Rachel, for making time for all of us. Thank you, Nathan. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu. M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>